Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Jeremy Says Podcast, and this is Jeremy. Today, I'm going to continue my conversation about Bautista, or specifically the book titled The Spiritual Evolution of Margarito Bautista, written by Lisa Eastwood Polido. But before I get to that, I want to read a poem that I found um, attributed to Mr. Rogers from Mr. Robert Rogers' Neighborhood. It's called, What Can You Hear? What can you hear when you close your eyes, when you close your eyes and listen a while? Can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear the love, the anger, the joy, the sadness, the fear? Can you hear the whisper of someone who wants to be very near? What can you hear when you close your eyes? Can you hear a birdie singing a song in the skies? Can you hear? I like that poem quite a bit because it's just reminding us to listen. Being present sometimes means listening to what's around you. And adults, just as much as children, need a reminder to pause and listen to the things that are around us, to what influences are around us. I especially like that it mentions listening and hearing love or anger or joy or sadness and fear. For me, that's a that's kind of a combination of different emotions that I've never thought of hearing. And yet, I think we often do hear those types of emotions. In fact, that might be one of the first ways that we experience an emotion is by hearing it come from somebody else. How do you express joy through the sounds you make? How do you express sadness or fear through the sounds you make? through the words you say. This podcast episode is a little bit late. I didn't do one last week because I was traveling. I traveled to visit my father. Our family got together for to celebrate his birthday. We also took some family photos the same weekend. It was really great for us to be together, I think. It's kind of rare for all of the siblings um, to get together these days there there's a dozen of us just from my um my birth mother and there's a lot more from my other mothers if you're not following remember i'm part of a polygamist family so therefore i have a lot of half siblings who i will still consider and call my brothers and sisters they're pretty awesome but i also have other mothers who of course are the mothers of my other siblings and i'd like to call them my mothers as well they did as a fact, helped to raise me a little bit when I was younger. Anyway, my immediate siblings, um, the 12 of us, came together this past weekend and took photos. It was beautiful to see how our family has been growing. We have, I have new sister-in-laws, no brother-in-law yet, um, and I have some nieces and nephews, all of which are super awesome. I loved having the chance to spend some time with my, especially the, uh, twin boys I was able to spend some time with this weekend and it was just funny a good experience to spend time with three-year-olds three-year-old twin boys it really was great I love you guys anyway last time I was talking about the life and spiritual evolution of Margarito Bautista and this week I was these past two weeks I was able to read only two more chapters of the book in the first the third chapter about uh, Bautista when he embraces Mormonism. 
He kind of already embraced Mormonism. This was this would be back in 1901 to 1910. He became part of the Mormon Church after meeting with different uh, evangelizers of Mormonism in his homelands uh, in the state of Mexico, in the country of Mexico, of course. Um, and he apparently was pretty natural at at speaking his his truth and speaking especially to the what he saw as the the beautiful message of Mormons, yeah, that the Mormon faith had for indigenous um, people, saying that they would somehow rise and be a chosen people. Basically, is a is a kind of message that he he had not been experiencing in his life in his life up to this point. He's a pretty young man, probably in his early twenties, I believe, when he started to really get this message from the missionaries. Um, once he converted he moved first north to um, the mormon colonies in chihuahua mexico um, where he witnessed a lot of good mormon cooperation and the interesting thing part about that is that a lot of the mormon colonies there were mormons uh, who still practiced polygamy it really wasn't uncommon at that point and the mexican government allowed it while the state of utah thus which is the center of mormonism at, at this point in time um, had already banned it, yeah, made it illegal to practice polygamy. And it was interesting that Bautista at that time still didn't really seem interested in becoming a polygamist, um, at least according to any of his writings or records. Uh, he he did, however, start to see that um, some of the beauty of the cooperation of the, these polygamists and see how they lived and they functioned. And I think he did start to understand polygamy as a higher order of the faith, which is actually very common to what a lot of Mormons at the time believed as well. While many had started to let go of polygamy, they saw that their grandfathers and grandparents who had practiced polygamy had done something very special, and it was and in honoring them, they, they didn't just put it down without saying, oh, it is, or without that kind of lingering belief that that it was a higher practice, a higher order practice. So although um, Bautista didn't really get any pay or educational opportunities by being part of a, the missionary outreach, he did gain that scriptural identity where he became, felt that Mexicans, especially indigenous Mexicans, had some kind of exceptional status. And I think he really believes this and holds on to it for the rest of his life. The next chapter, when Bautista moves his family to north of the U.S.-Mexico border, this happens right between the time of 1910 and 1922. So this is right before, literally a few months before, no, actually one and a half months before the official onset of the revolution in Mexico. So he wasn't really a refugee, technically, but but when he was already in, Me in the U.S., he really didn't have much options to go back to Mexico because of the political turmoil. He settled in Arizona, and it took two years before he got his family to come to Arizona too. But the, the conditions in, in the U.S. at this time in these uh, frontier lands were really not favorable to people of color, or especially not for Mexicans. A hundred years ago, there were racist arguments in the science of eugenics, um, even promoted by American historians Theodore Stoddard and the lawyer Madison Grant. There were such books such as 
The Passing of the Great Race, written, published in 1918, and The Rising Tide of Color Against White Worldwide World Supremacy in 1920, which promulgated a global racial logic which divided the world into superior white and inferior colored races. Um, you know, during this time, there was a lot of exclusion of people of color from schools, um, definitely from spiritual institutions. And with the political turmoil in Mexico and reports of death of white people in Mexico, often there were lynchings and mob killings of, of Mexicans from Mexican communities within the U.S. After some time, um, Bautista worked as just a laborer in Arizona, never really making much money there, but he had a, a great desire to go to Salt Lake City in Utah because Salt Lake City is the capital of Utah and also the center of the Mormon temple and the Mormon hierarchical leadership. So he took his family to Salt Lake City, kind of a continuation of his pilgrimage to and his uh, dedication to the, the Mormon faith. When he made it in Salt Lake City, when he arrived, he actually continued as a day laborer in certain places, and eventually he became a gardener for the, the Salt Lake City Mormon Temple. With his presence in Salt Lake City, he, he was able to participate more in a lot of the, the Mormon culture. And so he was able to start participating even in Mormon temple, temple rituals. And, of course, the, the white Americans and the white Mormons who saw him doing this really were kind of thrilled to see a genuine Lamanite participating in these rituals. Remember, Lamanite is the term used for brown-skinned people descended from the Americas. And it's interesting that this uh, Lamanite term was expanded at that time really to encompass indigenous Americans, Native Americans, indigenous Mexicans, and even Polynesians. In my opinion, it's just because this uh, continuation of racial categories was a little bit confused. Anyway, Bautista participated in a lot of uh, ceremonies, and importantly, these sealing ceremonies in which he sealed himself to different um, members of his family. This is important because Mormons believe in an afterlife where being sealed to each other is how you how you connect and um, hold on to promises that for spiritual advancement basically in, in the afterlife and to to be sealed um, elevated your status in different ways through all the work that and collaboration that um, Bautista through his connections was able to do in this in Salt Lake City he really started to grow and started up the first Spanish-speaking ward. Well, not ward, a branch, really, smaller than a ward, a, smaller than a, a parish. Um, they called it at first, they called it at first the Temporary Lamanite Branch, but then officially called it the the local Mexican mission. And so even though it was a small group, at this point, Bautista was elevated to being a mission president and this is important because when he goes back to to mexico he he's he does ha hold the status of a mission president although he was never really out proselytizing um foreign mexicans at this point this was just the mexicans who lived and worked in small communities uh, around salt lake city 
mining, agriculture, and such. During this time, Bautista became acquainted with one of Salt Lake City's promoters of plural marriage. One of his acquaintances, Nathaniel Baldwin, stood out as Bautista's most loyal supporter. So at this time, it seems kind of clear that it was a little bit more of a, a racist interest um, or a paternalistic view that Baldwin had, hoping that the Mexican people would once would someday become white and delightsome. Still, he did elevate Bautista and supported him greatly. And uh, Baldwin was a successful person, an engineer who invented air compression-assisted radio receivers and at one point taught physics at Brigham Young University. This friendship seems to be important because at one point, while Mexico, when Bautista returns to Mexico, his um, association with Baldwin allows him to be um, Bautista to be on the on Baldwin's executive board of the Baldwin Radio Company. Anyway, during this twenty-year period, it seemed that while Bautista was in the U.S., he really was at the peak of his belief and strength within the Mormon Church, and this may be why he is called back at the at this end of this period to go back to Mexico City by the church leadership to to proselytize to build up the Mexican membership within Mexico. This topic really is quite interesting to me because I know I can I can see my the connections that I have through my family history to Bautista and and the names of people he interacted with. Even Nathaniel Baldwin, I believe, is an important person in my own family lineage, and I'll explore that some more later. Anyway, so I hope that those of you listening are still excited about history. I'm not trying to make anything boring for y'all. I was I had a good experience just yesterday talking to my grandfather Adan and he quickly shared a story about how his father moved away from Catholicism simply by learning more and reading more of the Bible which wasn't a common thing for indigenous Mexicans to do at the time and I believe would be facilitated by the efforts of Protestant missionaries at the time. While his father moved away from Catholicism it kind of laid a, a a ripe foundation for learning about Mormonism and then joining up with Mormonism. I'm re- I am curious and I'm ready to learn more about this. I may not know the exact year or time or when my family became Mormon fundamentalists, but it's really starting to narrow in my mind. Anyway, you've been listening to the Jeremy Says Podcast with your brother, Jeremy. Thanks for listening.